Welcome to the AAA NFT podcast, all about affordable NFTs, bringing you from zero to 60 in the non-fungible token world without breaking the bank, with your hosts, Andrew, aka Rantum, and George from Mostly Stable on Zed Run, who will help you navigate new projects, interview expert guests, and explore NFT trends. So whether you're on your first or 50th NFT, we're going to have something for you. And as a quick note, we are not, I repeat, not financial advisors and nothing in this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Alrighty, disclaimer over, let's get to it. Today on All About Affordable NFTs, Unchain My NFT, Omnichains versus Multichain. We're excited to be talking about this topic at first, Andrew. What are we seeing in the Yeah, it's... It's been a little longer than usual since we are recording here. So we've got some, some news to catch up on, George. Uh, we've yeah, got some we big both things. took a little break. We took a break for two seconds and then we were like, well, well maybe yeah, nothing well, will you happen. Know, it was, you know, happened. an extra day or two and whew, there's a lot that happens. So, yes, yeah, some, some big news here. We've got a big time hack, one of the biggest in crypto history, 625 million. And this is very NFT related because it was on the Ronin network, the network that backs Axie Infinity. So 625 million was taken. This was from users' accounts, essentially, where they had parked their ETH, using it on, then using it on the uh, Ronin network. So they, the Ronin team has come out and said that they will reimburse all users here so that's good but it is uh you know it's worrisome that that this can happen apparently five of the nine i'm sorry the uh five five of the nine uh, i'm forgetting the name now right we're we're taking over (laughs) so they put some they put some extra provisions in there for extra security but yeah that is big time they're gonna take 150 million or so from binance to help reimburse people but I assume they have the rest of it available that is still going to hurt. One part that is sort of funny about this is the hackers shorted uh, the Axie token, or I'm sorry, yeah, I think it was the Axie token on before the news of this came out and the news did not actually tank the value as they expected. So uh, they did get stopped out of those positions. So that is kind of funny. Flow. They are doing quite well with uh, what they were able to get away with. Well, I mean, yes and no. What what they got away with, as I understand, was move to FTX, which was and is a controlled bank for right. crypto, right? That's not a decentralized move, but wherever. So I'm not quite sure what the plan is because that stuff could get frozen pretty quick. I think it is pretty remarkable that that amount of sort of, you know, theft doesn't really impact the price. Yes, there was a drop in, in Ronin, but it like spikes back up on April 5th and it's, you know, back down, but it does, it wasn't a collapse, right? It might as well have been an Elon Musk tweet and things kind of kept rolling. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was the Ronin network. You're right on that one. Yeah. And it, it is surprising. Um, it's been a, or at least it has been a pretty bullish crypto and NFT market as of late. And I think it's, you know, in that, in this kind of environment, uh, people are willing to overlook even a major hack. Like, yeah. And it's the question of how do you calculate that? sort of unpriced risk of a centralized network that is decentralized, right? You just mentioned there were nine keys that controlled this thing, as opposed to a decentralized network where it would be millions of keys or millions of 
nodes and it would be very nodes, there we go uh very difficult to do a you know sort of what a 51 percent takeover you know it's scary it's a wake-up call for for these other side chains and another sort of plus one to ethereum based and layer two based uh, pieces built on ethereum I'm not saying that they can't be hacked but this was well, a brutal one we'll get into one of the problems <laughs> with ethereum nfts in just a second here because so we've got vader sports which just <laughs> Minted yesterday, say? surprise mint and gas fees spiked to insane levels. I, I have a little oh, it's like a widget on my on my uh, browser and all of a sudden I noticed it was up near three thousand at one point yesterday when it's been uh, you know in the fifties and two digits for the most part as of late. And so there was over three times the amount spent on just the gas fees than as the mint fees in this one just failed transactions all over the place. So a pretty terrible drop here. That is, you know, that's the beauty of Ethereum. So, you know, this, I don't know why people are willing to put it through at that point. It's got to, you've got to be thinking it's, it's tough to make a profit when it's a 0.15 ETH drop and you're spending four or five, you know, many times that on, on the price of gas. Yeah. So the total take home numbers, just to put it in perspective, they made about call it 10 million on the mint of 15,000 NFTs about at that 0.55 ETH amount. And the total gas was estimated to be at around 25 million. Yeah. Well, I had heard, I had heard some, some significant figures. I'd heard even a little bit higher than that. That is wow. But no matter what it is, 27, 25 million on gas. So there are problems with drops on Ethereum. It's, it's not perfect. You know, layer twos definitely solve that issue for the most part, you know, and, and it's still not, it's not where most people are, most projects are, are willing to launch. What's sort of interesting is the Vayner, some of the team behind Vayner Sports has, they've done drops on, I believe on Immutable in the past, which is a essentially gasless layer two. And, you know, for this, they again chose to go uh, with Ethereum, you know, perhaps they thought that the the surprise aspect of it may reduce gas fees, but I think in general, those we've seen that those often spike gas fees and, you know, again, it, it's, it's been a bull market and people have been much more willing to jump into projects than uh, maybe a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I'm pretty surprised by this too, because I feel like Gary Vaynerchuk and the, you know, the Vayner, Vayner media network is trying to position themselves as the expert in all things brand sport and nfts he even launched his own of course very popular be friends as well as a number of other things and this is this is a sort of unforced error that hurts and erodes brand trust in a way that i think is like antithetical you know i, I know a lot of his work is antithetical from the way he does business but you can't just sort of say oh we'll make everybody whole i mean maybe they can and just eat it but even still remember they only made 10 million People spent two to three X more on the transactions. And, you know, that's yeah. a problem and it's a problem in the architecture. Yeah. And I know that there's, you know, I know Dutch auctions aren't perfect and there's been, there's been a lot of talk about what the, what a real Dutch auction should mean. You know, I think there's, there's been a push for, for that to mean that everybody ends up paying the same price being the final price, which would be make it much more fair than I think most of them are, are handled right now. But the one thing that does do is give people a chance to spend more on the price 
of the mint rather than just spending it on gas. And if someone is willing to put in a, a, a ridiculously high gas fee to get a mint through, and I think there was a max of uh, four pieces on this. So, you know, maybe, I mean, I would at least prefer that to be going towards the project that I'm investing in than to just gas fees. You know, I, I'd rather see that that ETH is captured and used towards adding value to the project than, than just wasted on gas fees to jump in line ahead of somebody else. Pretty clearly. Pretty clearly, it has to be done in a different way. And, you know, I'm sure there are going to be more articles out about how they're they're dealing with it. But this is, you know, pretty, pretty ridiculous. And also just kind of stinks, right? Like burning that, you know, it goes to, where does that money go? It goes to miners and it just goes into the ether, right? It, it actually disappears. And I think when it moves to proof of stake, it'll actually be a little more interesting and actually make an aggregate help, I think, the the larger ethereum network more than it frankly does now which feels like it goes into a black hole of sad yeah one note about this it's i believe the project is led by aj vaynerchuk which is um which is gary's brother i'm sure gary is uh, involved in in many ways as well though <laughs> yeah fair fair i assume with the brand and association but yeah good point yeah i'm good now all right you have written and now yeah, one plans more to mint oh one more yeah. Oh, no, just about this. You're, go on. Yeah. So we've got okay. Britain. Gonna... They've announced plans to mint an NFT by this summer. So they want to become a crypto hub. They announced this all in, let's say, at the same time that they want to become more of a crypto hub and uh, release an NFT. I'm sure they're getting backlash for this, you know, anytime a, a major public entity announces NFT plans, there's always a lot of controversy around it. So I can't imagine that this will be accepted without pushback as well. But it is, you know, it's interesting. I think it's, uh, it's interesting that they're trying to get into crypto. And I think there's been a lot a much wider acceptance by regulatory bodies to, to look at crypto as not this thing to keep out, but rather, how are we going to work with it? How are we going to embrace this? You know, I, I certainly am not uh, recommending anyone uh, go mint this NFT as soon as it comes it's out. It's not or the anything. affordable project of the week. But, no. but I, I think it is, I think it's great to see that, that governments are uh, more welcome towards or be more welcome towards crypto at this point. Yeah, it's a good sign. I'd say overall for the NFT market and acceptance and more predictable. That's, I think, the big word, like a predictable future for regulation rather than, you know, wait a minute, we're going to take away all the, you know, potential here. We're going to, you know, ban it outright. It seems to be much more on the adoption curve along the way. All, all right. right. Well, let's get into, well, I think we can, we've got a, a bit of a, a cross project? between our affordable, affordable project pro we and, our, them and our forget. <laughs> this week. So we're talking about Omnichain versus Multichain. And one of the reasons we're talking about that is the new project that has launched, Ghostly Ghost, Ghost being spelled with a zero instead of an O in both words there. Of course. So this is just launched. It is claiming to be the first Omnichain NFT. Uh, and by Omnichain, it means that it can be transferred across from Ethereum to Layer 2s, to Optimism, to Polygon, to... There's a couple others that it works with. Uh, get, sorry, clicking off the top of my head. But it, so you can actually move this across. So if you want to, if there's a future where you could maybe play a game with this on Polygon, you can put it there. If you want to verify your profile on uh, Twitter, you can put it on Ethereum. So you can, there can be different use cases for it on different networks. As far as I know, it is the first omni chain. It's the first NFT that can do this. 
in the past, we've seen projects primarily mint on different chains to have interoperability between them. So this is a little different in that the NFT itself is is moving between these chains. So essentially you're still parking it. It's a bit of a, a bridge for the NFT to do this. So this is, it's a bit pricey right now for an affordable project. I believe the floor is around point four as we speak. Let me take a look at that. Point four, point four two. Point four two. So it's, it's come down a little bit. It had gotten, I believe up over point five at one point, but I have seen it talked about a lot and I don't know that this will necessarily be the project that takes takes hold of this omni-chain or, or cross-chain sort of narrative that, that I think could become uh, prevalent in, in NFTs and crypto for a while here. But I think that it's at least worth watching to see how this does and see if, if this does catch on, if, you know, if the floor continues to fall, you know, maybe this, this is a narrative that isn't that important to people. However, I think that with the rise of all these layer twos, we're looking for ways to, to work between them rather than have them as, 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 as so prominent within the project. I don't think that it should necessarily, the change should dictate so much of the project. The project can move between these. So if that does catch on, I can see this project doing quite well. Same time, I, I, I can see Ghostly Ghost just paving a path for other projects to, to do the same thing. So I be on the lookout for other projects that are following this model. Uh, they certainly won't be the only one as we've seen when new trends catch on, they spread quickly and, and it's not always the first mover that, that does succeed. I would say, as we've seen um, in many projects this or the past year. Yeah, this is interesting. So the Discord I just popped in, it's got about 3,000 members, 1,000 active. And the number of mint contracts that you can kind of chase it down on goes from like Binance, Avalanche, Arbitrum, Polygon, Phantom, Optimism right now. It's pretty darn impressive. And then there's like... Okay, that actually, I I think I misunderstood. There's not just layer twos then. There are even other layer ones. Yeah, no, no, it's it's omni-chain given the fact that you can get to Avalanche, which is a different layer one at Binance. Right, Binance. Okay, that's, yeah, um, that's, that's interesting and an important note there. I would say that it can go across not just Ethereum-based chains, but to other chains. Yeah, and they they talk about it being different than currently. You can use NFT, a tool called Wormhole, apparently, that will sort of like hold your NFT in like a lockbox, call it in a contract and then give you a synthetic replica in the destination chain. And, you know, this may be a risk of hacking there as we've seen with bridges before, but this, you know, they're, you know, they're claiming their white paper to be the first true omni-chain NFT and, and moving it back and forth. So actually if you were to buy it and you wanted less gas, I would buy it on, let's say Polygon, right? Like you can check Polygon for it. It's going to make it kind of like, I don't even know what the floor is then. Right. Because I can't, I'm only looking at an Ethereum floor. So I don't know. That's true. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to more tools that uh, do work across these networks too, because this is going to become a bigger, bigger issue that, you know, there's going to be prices that are on different, different marketplaces, different platforms, and you're going to have all, all sorts of places to check to find the real floor price. No, I'm going to, I'm going to, full disclosure, I don't own any of these. I think it's going to take me some research to do it. Also, I'll note that like their white paper and the website is technically a post on Medium. So I, I want to see a little bit about, you know, the the team and what's going on behind the curtain, I think, before I pull the trigger. But I think it's 
I think it's interesting to do your own homework. And yeah, I, I think that's important. We're not hundred percent recommending this, especially at this price, but I think it is worth keeping an eye on and is not, it, it could be an indicator of, of, of what is to come for other projects as well. So when we're talking about multi-chain to this like theme of unchain my NFT, there is a not too distant future because it's already kind of here where many projects are going to be able to move across multiple chains. And maybe that's from sort of inception that we just talked about to the, you know, the tools I just mentioned like wormhole. But in effect, we just talked about how that Vayner Sports lost an incredible amount of gas for its customers because they chose a very expensive platform to mint on. Now, hypothetically, let's say you had chosen a polygon, right? When you mint there and say like, oh, you can bridge it here. We built a tool to bridge it. Go on. Now it's on Ethereum. You have the cachet of being on Ethereum. You know, what that looks like is is going to open up a lot of, of potential and maybe decrease the prevalence or importance of Ethereum as, as a full network if you can move uh, between chains potentially. Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely possible that maybe we don't care as much about Ethereum. And I think one of the, uh, something that I'm looking forward to is the user not needing to care quite as much about which network it on a, a project is on and, and have to switch between it. You know, I think there's a lot of, a lot of technical aspects that the user's exposed to right now that seem <laughs> unnecessary, you know, not, I'm not just talking about the fact that you need to use a wallet and all this, but then you've got to switch between it and have, have a currency on the right network and make sure that you have enough of the currency to keep transacting because otherwise you're just going to be stuck without it being able to move anything on, you know, it's, there's just a lot of issues that come up and, you know, I, I, I think this is, this should be pushed to the back end. So I, I'm looking forward to when it, when it's, it's, there's not so many hurdles to just trying to use another network. It's, it's already difficult enough to use it, it, it to, to get into NFTs as it is. And, and putting it on the user to, to, to figure out each of these different networks is a lot to ask. Yeah. It's tough to move to, I mean, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're only at a fraction of total people owning NFT, well, something like 1.4 ish million. I mean, it depends on what stats you're looking at, but if you were talking about what gets mass acceptance, it's saying that like, well, wait a minute, you know, I bought this, you know, this non-fungible element and why does it matter what, what chain it's on? And I think. Those, those pieces are going to get better. I think there are security risks with sort of the, it, even when you're bridging with a tool like Wormhole, if you are also considering platform you want and the, like the overall security, we just talked about the Ronin hack. Let's say you get on to a alternate layer one and I don't know, say all of the Ethereum bank accounts get, you know, it's underlying cash gets taken. What does that mean for your asset? Well, I don't know. You can move that out what does it mean for it? Did that technically have a pricing event or a repricing event? Does that have a tax implication? Uh, I have probably more questions than answers when it comes to it, but I do think the, the future of NFT ownership is one where moving it across as an asset is made easier. I also believe that it will increase the potential value of base NFTs when they can come into the highest liquidity pool, which is Ethereum and it's a topic we'll get to later. So I think that may open up a door for additional value in terms of overall marketplace purchase power for these alternate layer one projects. 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, it is, it is still the biggest liquidity pool. It's where most people are trading NFTs. You know, I know that there's some other networks that have growing NFT marketplaces, uh, but Ethereum is still the biggest. And, you know, that's a reason that I think we're seeing projects still launch there despite the gas fees. It's, it's where most people are. And if they're willing, if they're willing to spend the gas, you know, it's, it's where you want to go. I think one of the reasons is that it's relative, there's still a lot of hurdles to using layer twos. There's a lot of people that don't quite understand what it means to use layer twos, to use other networks, you know, once, I don't know, I hope that once those issues are uh, maybe not completely resolved, but they're made easier to overcome. You know, I think we'll also start seeing people get into these, you know, I think that could be, you know, if it's just using, if you can use the same tools that you're already using and access more of these other networks and not have to go through and, and kind of figure out the technical side of it. I think that there's a very easy avenue for new people to start coming into these other projects. And like you said, that can add value to, to projects that were at least originally on other chains. Yeah. Well, I, there's also a, another aspect, which is the strategy that Red Village, the Red Village took with uh, dropping their initial sort of token access path called the Blood Portal. And then their, you know, their Bones collection and then saying like, all right, now these will give you uh, access to the drop or the mint on Polygon, right? So they have the sort of high level Ethereum based to, you know, add that credibility and then to the, the low gas, gasless, uh, polygon or, or secondary chain. And, you know, maybe that strategy goes away, maybe it doesn't, but that seems to be the most logical if you're trying to like have your cake and eat it too, in that sense, but you're still changing wallets and networks and it's a bit of a headache. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not, it, that is the way we've seen it done a lot. I don't know that it's, uh, I don't think it's the way that's going to persist over time. I think people are going to want to be able to move the actual asset and not have kind of a key on one uh, chain and, and the asset on another. Yeah, it makes sense to me. And then you have uh, a mention here that MeBitsDAO also had to issue a small amount of Matic to all members to delegate votes to, to require a vote. Yeah, so they've used Matic for voting, you know, which is interesting, but, you know, they did have to actually distribute Matic. So it didn't cost much, but. As I mentioned, when you go on these other networks, you've got to have enough of the token that the, you know, they charge fees in to, to be able to do any transaction. So while it doesn't cost a whole lot, you still need something. So, you know, you need a little bit of, of Matic there. So that is one of the things that you have to keep in mind when you are on other networks. So if you're asking your users to go do it, you know, that either means that they, you need them to go move some funds over to both to this other network and then to the, the right the right asset, you know, being Matic on Polygon anyway, then it can be, you know, there's, it's different on different networks, which can be confusing. So, you know, I think that that needs to, you know, that sort of thing is the overcome that, you know, I think that's too much to ask people to always figure out and, and for projects to, to expect users to take on upon themselves. Awesome. Well, I think there is definitely some alpha that we're going to be looking for in terms of saying, is there alternative layer one NFTs out there that we can find? And in what it means when we begin to merge these like very disparate systems, because like, look, let's be honest, we've given you pretty much, I'd say 95% Ethereum-based NFTs because it's where things that we trust are minted and made, but that may be changing. And then I'm, I'm kind of excited for that. Although we, we have branched to like layer two Polygon a bunch, but yeah, for the most part, that's where we play. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we've mostly stuck on Ethereum, but, you know, maybe we'll branch out a little bit more as we see things developing. 
This has been an episode of the AAA NFT podcast, all about affordable NFTs. The episode notes and resources may be found at 3ANFT.com in our show notes. Again, 3ANFT.com. And that reminder, don't bet what you can't afford to lose. Remember, we are not financial advisors and nothing in this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Thanks for joining us. I hope you learned something.